0: I'm Franco Terrazano. And I'm Jay Goldberg. And you're listening to the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast, where we're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. In this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into Bill C-10. That's the Trudeau government's proposed bill that wants to censor free speech online. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that one and how that bill can impact your ability to hold politicians accountable. And in Waste Watch, we'll talk about the Ford government's decision to spend half a million bucks to finance a crime thriller movie. Well, if it's half as thrilling as watching Ontario's debt climb by the second, I'm sure it's going to be a blockbuster. But first... Let's talk about that huge sucking sound you may be hearing. Well, that's the sound of universities sucking more and more money out of your pockets. And to talk about that, we've got our interim Ontario Director, Jay Goldberg. Now, Jay, I know there's a big story out of Ontario with Laurentian University asking the Ford government for a $100 million bailout. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, Franco, we've got one gigantic mess on our hands. Just a few months ago, Laurentian University, they came out and they surprised Ontarians by telling us they were about to become insolvent. Now, this was a shocker because we know that most universities, they run profits because of those generous government grants they get. But over the past 10 years, Laurentian, they've managed to rack up $100 million of debt and $85 million is because of the university's unfunded construction projects. The university, they've literally been losing money year after year for at least seven years, but they kept spending millions of dollars on new construction projects they knew they couldn't afford. Yeah,
0: talk about some uh, not-so-great budgeting. Now, Jay, I know one of the issues here in Alberta has to do with university employees' pay, so does that kind of factor into this whole budgeting mess
1: out there in Laurentian? It definitely does. It's, it's the icing on top of the cake here for taxpayers. Laurentian University, they've increased the number of employees earning more than $100,000 a year. That's gone up by 45% since 2010. And that means we've got 399 employees on the sunshine list last year from Laurentian, and they only have 9,000 undergraduate students at the university.
0: Yeah. Must be nice. Hey, must be nice. Okay. Now I I just want to play a little bit of devil's advocate before we go too far here. So is the university in bad shape because the big bad Ford government has cut its funding or, you know, is the university just not collecting enough revenue? Is that the problem?
1: Well, actually it's just the opposite. We've seen tuition revenue. It's actually gone through the roof. Laurentian university, they're losing money, even though tuition, it's gone up by 74% in the past decade. And grants to the university, they've also been steady as well. So you can't blame the Ford government on that front. There's really no way the university can claim it's a lack of money that's leading to this problem. So how the university can manage to lose so much money when
0: tuition fee revenue has gone up by such a significant amount is is astonishing. It's actually impressive in a weird way. Uh, Now let me guess, Jay, the university is now begging for a government bailout.
1: Well, yeah, Laurentian, they've asked for a bailout. Uh, They asked for a bailout in the past, but they've actually started to move forward with restructuring. And now it's really Ontario politicians who seem to be calling for a bailout the most loudly. We know Laurentian has told us they're looking for savings. They're even closing some of the least profitable or the money losers in their undergraduate programs. Um, And thankfully, the Ford government hasn't taken any action yet to bail out the universities. But the opposition parties here in Ontario, they're calling for a bailout. Sudbury's local MPP, he's in the opposition, Jamie West. He says he wants the government to give the university money so that it doesn't have to restructure. But he's also claiming that this wouldn't be a bailout. Here's his exact quote. I don't need a bailout. What I'm talking about is the ability for the university to get through the situation they're in without having to have drastic cuts so that they can get through this responsibly, unquote.
0: Yeah, that quote does not pass the political sniff test, does it? When And you know what? I'm pretty sure that a government giving a university money to stop it from having to find savings is the textbook definition of a
1: bailout. You're exactly right. If it walks like a bailout, if it talks like a bailout, you can bet it's a bailout. And not only is the Ford government facing pressure to bail out Laurentian from provincial opposition parties, but the feds have also implied that they'd be ready to go along with uh, Premier Ford if he decides to go in the bailout direction. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he said the following, quote, the federal government will be there to support But it is a provincial jurisdiction, and therefore, we need to figure out what the plan is, unquote. So basically, Trudeau's saying he's ready to go for the bailout as long as Ford will let him. The Ford government, they're facing a lot of pressure, but the reality is they need to hold firm. They've got to stand up for taxpayers. Not to mention the fact that Ontario's government debt, it's already at $400 billion. And the scariest thing is that if Ford bails out the university which has so badly mismanaged its finances, there's nothing stopping other universities from spending really poorly and then coming to the government with its cap in hand looking for more taxpayer dough. You know, we've
0: seen uh, similar issues here in Alberta. Uh, The Alberta government's 2021 budget, it was was mostly bad news for taxpayers, but... One of the good things that the government is doing is that it's finding hundreds of millions of dollars in savings in the government's wildly inefficient advanced education department. So for context here, just to show you how big of a spender Alberta is when it comes to universities and colleges, well, our province spends uh, a little over $36,000 per post-secondary student. That's according to the Blue Ribbon Panel on Alberta's Finances guess what? That's $10,000 more per student than what the other large provinces spend on average. So we would be able to save about $1.7 billion if Alberta spent like the other large provinces do. But even given that massive overspending problem we have in Alberta, you still have people screaming against these savings, even though, as, as you know, everyone outside of government has found a way to save some money and tighten our belts over the last five plus years here in Alberta. Absolutely.
1: So, Franco, why are universities so costly out there?
0: Well, I mean, like most things, when it comes to the Alberta government spending problem, it has to do with labour. It has to do with the bureaucrats. Now, through Freedom of Information requests, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we found about 8,500 employees at the University of Alberta and at the University of Calgary that received a pay raise during lockdowns in 2020. That's crazy. It's mind-boggling, but it gets worse because pay raises for employees at these universities since the beginning of 2015, which is when the downturn happened here in Alberta, have cost taxpayers and students $154 million. And that's only for these two universities. So clearly the cupboards aren't that bare at our universities.
1: Well, folks, the bottom line is this. Governments are running up huge deficits and debts, and we really shouldn't be asking struggling taxpayers to pay more so universities don't have to find the savings we know they can find. Everyone, including families and businesses all across the country, have found ways to save money during the downturn, and we bet that universities can too. Hey everyone, it's Franco Terrazzano.
0: I have to provide a quick update on Bill C-10. You know, just as we we're about to hit publish for this week's podcast episode, some new news is popping up. And it turns out that the government is finally backing an updated charter study of Bill C-10. So that means that the bill is going to be put on hold as members of Parliament see clarity on whether it violates our freedom of expression. So, you know, it's a good thing the bill is being put on hold but the battle isn't over yet. The bill is not dead just yet. So we do have to keep up the pressure and you can help us do that by signing that online petition that we're going to include in the show notes. And please also uh, share with your friends and family. Okay. With that update, let's get on to the rest of the show.
2: It's time for deep dive. This is the part of the show where we take a closer look into the important issues facing taxpayers. Now, The Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we have made a name for ourselves being the scrappy organization fighting for lower taxes. Another key part of what we do is fighting for government accountability. And right now, it's really a time to be alive because with a quick click of a mouse or a tap of your thumb, millions of Canadians can help their politicians be accountable by sharing a post on Facebook or tweeting directly at them or uploading a video onto YouTube, criticizing their actions. It's super important. But the Trudeau government is actually looking to change things. The government wants to regulate what you say see, and share on the internet. Our federal director, Franco Terrazzano, is here with us. Can you explain this to us? What is going on?
0: Well, absolutely. Uh, bill C-10, which is an update to the Broadcasting Act, is currently being debated within the House of Commons. Now, what we're worried about here is that this bad bill could put online content from news outlets, independent media, and just what Canadians are can share on social media under the microscope of unelected bureaucrats. Now, Michael Geis, he's a law professor at the University of Ottawa and Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law. He's been all over this bad bill. He's been hitting it left, right and center. And uh, here's how he described the bill on the John Gormley
3: radio show on May 4th. Take a listen. The content that users post would all be conceivably subject to regulation by the CRTC. And what would the harm in that be? Well, I mean, I think as a starting point from a democratic perspective, uh, you know, we're a country that obviously believes strongly in freedom of expression. And I think we need to recognize that the speech that, you know, a certain generation, the younger generation, my kids engage in by sending TikToks or Instagram posts or Snapchats. I mean, that's just basic communication. That's the way that they speak in the same way that for my generation, it might be blog posts or emails. And for a generation before that, it might be um, letters or faxes. We would never dream of saying that a broadcast regulator, the CRTC, should be able to regulate the content of our letters, of our emails, (laughs) that somehow this is a program subject to regulation. Yet that's precisely the position that the government is taking right now when it comes to user-generated content on these new platforms.
0: Yeah, that sounds to me like a good explanation of Bill C-10. Now, I also want to share another clip from Geist on how this could impact activity online.
3: I, I would be surprised if they went the whole way. I mean, the truth is they have become very beholden, in my view, to a number of lobby groups who are insisting that they do want the regulator, and in in for example, to determine what it is that we see in our YouTube feed or in our Netflix. They want those companies to be required to prioritize certain kinds of content, and that is struggles, I think, to be compatible with at the same time saying government isn't going to take a hands-on approach when it comes to our expression.
2: Yeah, it really does sound like the government is putting our own online content under the microscope of unelected bureaucrats. And this is, of course, a huge red flag for accountability. There is a timeless saying, who watches the watchers? It's a question that wrestles with how we hold those in government accountable? The answer is, of course, we all do. We all must have the freedom and the responsibility to watch the actions of our government and be able to publicly hold them to account. And the internet and social media alongside of it is an enormous tool to help us all speak truth to government power. It really can't be overstated how important it is, especially in the world of COVID-19. The internet has been a huge tool to hold politicians to account.
0: Yeah, you, you really hit the nail on the head there. And and I think what we should all be concerned about within the context of Bill C ten is is the door that the government is opening for regulators. And it really leaves many questions over how Canadians' ability, our ability to hold the government accountable will be affected in the future. Now let's let's just walk through a few examples, right? So If you take issue with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's damaging carbon tax, and and let's say post a video on YouTube, will your video be regulated or prevented or reduced from being shared? Um, If you question why there's so many bureaucrats in Ottawa, will Ottawa's bureaucrats be tempted to flag your Facebook posts? Now, remember, when when Canada Land Podcasts, when they're working hard investigating the We Charity before it exploded into a scandal, would the possibility of dealing with federal bureaucrats have chilled that work and you know what Simmer there's 38 million people living here in Canada and the last people that we should be getting advice from on how to hold the government accountable are the unelected government bureaucrats in Ottawa.
2: Yeah, exactly. And just to put a point on it, uh, this is not a right or left issue. And it isn't just contained on the internet either. Think about how we use online forums and the internet to organize actual real life protests when we are actually able to go outside and protest. I remember back in 2003, it was January, super cold winter in Ottawa, there were massive protests against the invasion of Iraq at the time. And there was a huge one on part Parliament Hill in Ottawa. A lot of that organization and information sharing, of course, happened online, largely through left-of-center websites that included video and audio. Now, fast forward, if we had something like Bill C-10 in power and it was actually law, could have the government of the time just deleted all of those things or stopped them from being posted or shared? It's a really important question. And folks, it's not just the Canadian Taxpayers Federation who's raising these concerns. Check out this quote from a former commissioner with Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission. It's important. Quote, Granting a government agency authority over legal user-generated content particularly when backed up by the government's musings about taking down websites, doesn't just infringe on free expression. It constitutes a full blown assault upon it and through it, the foundations of democracy, end quote. It's pretty heavy. Here's another one. This is a quote from Sun newspaper columnist Lauren Gunter, quote, being able to criticize all of that and more is the very spine of our democracy. Pinch off any one of those neurons or ganglia and you attack the central nervous system of our freedom. End quote. Lots of smart people are sounding the alarm over Trudeau's Bill C-10 and internet censorship and for good reason.
0: That's right. That's right. That's absolutely right. And, and remember, the onus should be on the government to prove that it's not undermining our rights, but it's it's doing the exact opposite. Now, that's because... There was a clause within the original bill that limited bureaucrats from targeting individuals' posts, but that clause was removed, right? That, that safeguard was removed. And, and essentially, the liberal government is telling us to blindly trust that politicians and bureaucrats are going to use their power
2: carefully. And this is where you come to a very important point here, Franco. It's important to remember that governments and our culture change. They both change all the time. So even if you might agree that certain positions should be censored today, you don't want to see them on the interwebs, fine. What's to say that your own perspective won't one day be on the CRTC's no-fly list? Would you trust a government to wield this type of power when it's the other team in office? Ask yourself that question. Okay, Franco, so where are we with this actual bill? What stage is it at in the House of Commons, and how do we fight back against it?
0: Well, you know, uh, this is a very fluid situation, right? So there's a lot of a lot of things that can still change and that are changing. And fortunately, this bad bill hasn't become law just yet. So there's definitely still time to be pushing back and stopping it from passing or stopping it from passing or before it passes uh, through the House of Commons. Now, another good sign that we're seeing is that the opposition parties are speaking out against the bill. Here's what Conservative Member of Parliament Matt Jenneru has disabled Bill C-10. Give it a listen.
4: Mr. Speaker, I'm here in Ottawa today to specifically push back and fight against the government's Bill C-10, which is an absolute attack on the freedoms we as Canadians enjoy online. This legislation gives sweeping power to the CRTC to regulate the internet with no clear guidelines of how that power will be used. The government has now said they will introduce an amendment to make it clear that the content uploaded on social media sites won't be regulated by this bill. However, Canadians still have the right to be considered. This is unacceptable in a society like ours that values its freedom. It couldn't have been said any better than the former chairman of the CRTC where he states, this doesn't just infringe on the free expression, it constitutes a full-blown assault upon it and through it the foundations of democracy. Mr. Speaker, this bill has no place in a free and fair society like Canada and I will work tirelessly to oppose such a bill from becoming law.
0: And here's what Jugmeet Singh, the leader of the New Democrats had to say, quote, "It's important for people to have dissent, for people to express their opinions. They might disagree with the government, they might want to critique the government. There should not be a limit on that. Those are very important things for democracy." end quote.
2: Bingo. So there you just heard it from both the left and the right of center in the House of Commons. And so that means that there is time for our Canadian Taxpayers Federation to join this fight for free speech and government accountability. And a little bit of good news. We are seeing some daylight here the minister is starting to wobble with his language on what this bill actually means. So that means we have an opportunity to push back hard. We have an online petition calling on the feds to scrap plans to censor online government accountability. We're going to include that in the show notes for you to sign. And please, 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 Share this petition with your friends and family. It doesn't matter if it's your hardcore right-wing uncle or your crazy left-wing sister. Pass it around to both of them because this hits both of their free speech rights. This is such an important issue and all Canadians should care about our right to free speech and our right and responsibility to hold politicians to account.
5: It's time for Waste Watch, the part of the show where we make fun of all the dumb things that governments waste our money on. So Jay Goldberg, our Ontario director, is here with me, and he's warning Ontario taxpayers that they need to take out their popcorn.
1: That's right, Renaud, Ontario taxpayers, well, they're going to have a rare opportunity to see our government, the Ford government, waste half a million dollars of their hard-earned dollars right before their very eyes in a span of just two hours. So the Ford government announced last month that they intend to give half a million dollars to a company called Joe Bro Productions to film a crime thriller in North Bay, Ontario, all on the taxpayer's dime. And no, for you Jonas Brothers fans out there, this is not going to be a biopic of the Joe Bros. This is going to be a very real waste of taxpayer dollars.
5: Well, this sounds like a huge waste of money today. So did the Ford government even give it a rationale for doing this?
1: No, they didn't, Reno. Uh I am not sure if they could even come up with a rationale for, to tell taxpayers. Uh, the government statement, it simply says, says that the government plans to spend half a million dollars subsidizing the film. They're calling it Dealey is gone. We're not really sure exactly what's going to happen there. But with a $33.1 billion deficit, the Ontario government seems to be desperately looking for ways to waste even more of our taxpayer money.
5: Wasting taxpayers' money is never a good thing. Maybe we could make something out of this. I'm sure you and I can come up with a lot of crime thrillers focusing on the terror government scandals, and I'm pretty sure it'll cost a lot less than half a million dollars to come up with that.
1: Wanna try? Absolutely. If I had to name three right off the bat, I would say we should make a scary movie about number one, Ontario wasting a billion dollars to cancel previously approved gas plants in the middle of a provincial election. Okay, what else? Number two, the Green Energy Act, which led to the highest hydro rates in North America.
5: Literally bone chilling. Do
1: you have another one? Yeah, maybe for the last one, let's throw in a billion dollars lost in creating Ontario's e-health records. Oh, those are just too much. Please stop there. (laughs) Well, those are just my picks. Uh, They may be my top three, but uh, it's very hard to narrow the scandals down. And I'm sure that there's plenty of listeners from Ontario who can think of many other deservable ones Uh, that should be in our list.
5: Well, those are all really, really good ones. But the sad reality is that this isn't a joke. Ontario Premier Doug Ford's government is literally financing a French movie in North Bay. If the government is insisting on in getting involved in this, it's reasonable to ask, what won't the government waste money on?
1: Well, that's the exact question we should be asking, Renault. And uh, I also think on a more serious note, we should definitely remind listeners and ourselves that governments are throwing money at the film industry left, right and centre here in Canada. In fact, just about every government across the country gives the film industry major perks. That's right.
5: According to Dentons, every single province in this country has a variety of tax credits, grants, subsidies, or other kinds of financial aid that they give to the film industry. Many governments across the country offer massive subsidies for film-related productions in Canada. And by far, the largest tax credits are for labor. So the Fed's offer a 25% tax credit for labor whenever filming happens in Canada. But then provinces add their own tax rates on top of that. So take Ontario in BC, for instance, uh, you don't just get a 25% tax rate from the feds, you also have another 35% that the provinces add on top of that. Uh, or in Newfoundland and Labrador, that's 40%. And of course, in my home province of Quebec, uh, we also give an, another 40% too. That's a huge tax breaks that Hollywood elites get uh, whenever they come to Canada to, to do some filming. And this is all at Canadian taxpayers' expense. And not to mention the fact that usually when you come to film here, they take the tax credits and then they claim that those movies were happening in the US. I just can't count the number of times that I've seen places from Montreal in random movies that were supposed to happen in New York City or Chicago.
1: Yeah, you know, Renaud, I've seen a lot of that uh, stuff filmed in Toronto too for exactly that. But the, the fact is, taxpayers, they just don't want their hard-earned money paying for Hollywood films or tiny films in North Bay. Uh, While well, the North Bay crime thriller, that really started the conversation, I think in a more broad sense, we have to remember the obscene amount of money that we're wasting here in this country on subsidizing films.
5: You got that right. If taxpayers want to help a movie be profitable, we have this thing called movie tickets that we, that we get. And that's exactly what it is. Taxpayers need to demand that our governments get rid of all these ridiculous subsidies. And I can tell you, we at the CTF will keep advocating on your behalf.
1: And in the meantime, in the short term, uh, we are going to call on the Ford government again and and again to get off this North Bay gravy train and cancel this crime thriller movie.
5: Well, thanks for looking into this, Jay, and uh, for bringing it up with uh, with our supporters today.
1: All right, everyone.
0: That was the show. Hope you enjoyed it. A huge thank you for listening. And a big thank you as always to our investigative journalist, James Wood, who also doubles as our podcast editor and makes it sound like we know what we're talking about. So huge thank you to you as always, Jimbo. And please, please, please like, share, and subscribe. And please send the send the podcast to your friends and family. It really helps us get the word out to more taxpayers.
4: I'm Scott Hennig, President of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favour, and do them a favour, and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.